Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. And that's the word of the Lord. Thank you, Keith. Now, you're all thinking Keith must have a wonderful plan for switching that around and doing all those things. Uh, why don't we just keep with that thought? And if you want to run with that, that would be great for me. Instead of the other reality where I sort of read it wrong. Because 31, and have you noticed 31 and 13 are very close? <laughs> yeah. Let's pray. <laughs> now, gracious Father, we uh, thank you that as we come to your word, uh, you're clear. You're clear to us uh, of your love, of your grace, of your purposes. You're clear to us of your commitment. You're clear in all those things, yet our world is quite confused and it's hard to navigate and we ourselves are not easy to know uh, what's going on with us. So we pray as we come to your word, you would help us. We pray that we'd be able to understand, we would, you would teach us. You would point out things that we need to know. You would encourage us that we, with things we need to hear, you would help us to understand things that we would love to be able to understand. And, Lord, I pray that you would keep me from error. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. The Psalms are full of many varied and wondered things. Uh, they are songs. They are poetry. They have... Lots of things to say. They don't say them like Paul's letters. They don't say them like Proverbs. Psalms speak in pictures. They are being songs. The images they use are metaphorical. They are related to sometimes point out what God is how he has acted, but it's also to raise expectations and feelings and pictures for you, the reader, the singer. They are an interesting and wonderful collection for us all. Oh, by the way, hello to everyone who, uh, who is uh, out there in camera land, uh, Zoom land. Um, it's lovely to see you in, in that sort of unseen way. This is a psalm of lament. The Psalms also have certain types of Psalms, and this is a Psalm of lament. The church has really lost touch with what a lament is. But the purpose of a Psalm of lament is to help people, to help people who sing this. Can you imagine singing some of these words? It helps them to work out what's going on with the struggles that they may be facing. And we're given 
a psalm that helps us here. David is laying out his emotional struggles before God. Four times David cries out in this psalm, how long, how long, O Lord? That's a, a universal plea from anyone who actually has a relationship with our God. You have been in times, if you've lived longer than a minute and a half, where you've thought, Lord, what are you doing? Why has this happened? Why does this keep happening? How long is this going to go? Uh, it's our society at the moment, isn't it? It's a problem for our whole world. How long will COVID go? And we've had certain different answers, certain expectations, and two, and a, two years later or whatever it is now, I've lost count, we're still saying how much longer. That is what's happening for David here. Uh, he feels that God is not with him or far away or not present. And we've all felt that as well. It's the strange feeling that people who live in uncertain times of suffering and hardship that you wonder at times how long but also where are you? Where are you, Lord? David is being attacked from all sides. And in this psalm, there is a desperate plea for relief. Our focus, though, at the end, which is always what happens in Psalms and is always what happens with a believer, is the focus firmly is fixed on our Lord and Saviour at the end. Look with me if you've got the Bible open. There's not many verses. Uh, verse 1 to 2. How long, O Lord, verse 1 to 2, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? See the picture there? God's face is not being hidden from David. See, that's the picture, isn't it? There's not literally a face of God hiding from David, but the picture is how long will you be absent from me? Where are you? That's what he's saying. It's what he's feeling. And because of what he's going through, it produces this feeling of being alone, of being separated, of feeling that God is remote a long way away, the feeling that God is not even there. It's a feeling we've all had. The re one of the reasons the psalm tells you these things is that it wants to say, by the way, what you've felt is normal. What you've felt is not unusual. You're not the worst person that's ever existed in the world who calls themselves follower of the Lord, Jesus Christ. If it's happened to you, it's happened to everyone, I can assure you. It's happened to me. It's happened to David. David has cried out and he has the feeling that God is not there because it's still happening. How long, O oh Lord? Once you pray and you hope that it will stop, 
that it will change, that it will be fixed. But the, the, the thought here is it hasn't. It didn't change like that. And so David's cry is because God, in his perception and the way we perceive things, God has not heard us, that God has not answered. That's the way he's feeling. That's the way that we've all felt at times. Verse 2, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Now, we don't have a clue what was going on for David, the exact situation. We really don't in Psalm 13. His enemies are pressing him on all sides, doing all sorts of things, and that was what he suffered. He was, was pursued. He was People were plotting his downfall. It meant they would kill him and take over. But we don't know the exact situation. But we can hear the fear. We can hear the sense of aloneness, of struggle, of trusting in the God he knows and has walked with, yet not seeing his answer here right now. It's hard to talk like this, isn't it? Uh, people of faith, I find in hospitals, uh, in my work, have, are often struggling with the fact that something bad is happening to them or something they don't like, something that is distressing, and yet people of faith find it hard to actually say they're struggling because it, they think it shows they have a lack of faith. And they say things, I wish I could have more faith, etc. What David is showing it to you is that people of all faith, of the greatest faiths, in inverted commas, doesn't matter who you are, will have these struggles in life, do have these struggles in life. It's okay to have these questions and feelings. For us, uh, I doubt it. I haven't got too many enemies running around plotting my death, not that I know of. Uh, I don't know about you. Has anyone circled your house and uh, waiting to, you know, take over and your kingdom? That's not my experience and it's probably not yours. But for us, we can feel so hurt. We can feel so disappointed. We feel despair. We feel loss. We feel sad. We feel hopeless. We feel confused. The picture here for David is dismal. His heart is full of sorrow. It's a sorrow for him that never seems to be ending. For us, it could be a loved one is gone. They will not return. A family member where the relationship has just gone sour and it's no longer there. The injustice of a wrong decision that the effects of that thing keep going and going and going. Dare I even name an abuse where effects are devastating and they are life-changing. The reality of the loss seems too great to bear. These things happen. <clears throat> Sorrow can be our company. God's presence might seem and may seem remote. 
he may not have answered your prayers in the way you wanted it to, in the time you wanted it to be done. That's where David finds himself. And so he says, give, verse, second point, he says in verse 3 to 4, give light to my eyes. Verse 3, look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. David is a desperate. His situation is life-threatening. And it's also threatening his relationship with God. So he pleads, look on me and answer, Lord. David is saying, if you don't answer me, I might just crawl up in a feeling of hopelessness and perish. I need you to come to me. The threat on my life is real and it's consuming me. He's at rock bottom. Enlighten my eyes, he cries. Enlighten my eyes. David wants his vision of God restored to reignite his vision of God's power, his presence, his glory. He cries out in prayer, find me and return to me. He's pleading for he longs for God's presence. He longs for the God he has trusted and followed. He's saying, return to me. Give me light. Let my whole being be filled with your light and love, please, Lord. It's a desperate prayer, but it's a prayer that's very well made, and I want you to notice it because it's a believer's prayer. In times of great trouble, when we say, where are you, Lord? How long? Where have you been? Where are you going? Come, relieve my suffering. We cry out. We cry out and lighten my eyes. We cry out because the relationship we have with our God calls us back to that relationship and calls us to the one who only we have, we owe everything to. As Nina said, uh, we have everything. As Cameron said, God has given us all that we know. And so we run to him because he is the one who's made his relationship with us. He is the one who's committed himself to us. It's not about me. It's about him. You might remember Genesis 15 when Abram, when the covenant was made with Abram, but who made the covenant? The animals were cut in two. The pieces were split from side to side. It's very handy to have an aisle, isn't it? You can do it just like that. Piece of animals, you know, bits of you over there and bits of you over there. And then it's not very helpful. No. No, you don't. None of you look like bits of pieces of animals. That's okay. Uh, and then who went down? In the ancient Near East, two parties. So if Bill and I had made a covenant, more fool you. Uh, Bill and I have made it would make a covenant. It would be both of us who would go down in between the pieces. And what we would be saying is, we will do what we agree to do, and if we don't, may we become like this animal. May that happen to me. And then Bill would walk down and I would walk down. We'd be, that's what we'd be saying. But in, Abraham, in Genesis 15, it's only the fire, you remember, in verse 17, appears, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appears, 
and passes between the pieces. Not Abram. He doesn't move an inch. There's a reason for that. It's that God made that covenant himself with himself because he's the only one who can keep it. Humans can't keep the covenant with him. And so he was the one who kept it. He was the one who says, I commit myself to what I have promised to do. David remembers and he knows this. He knows he's all over the place. Have you read anything about David? He's a shocker. But he's also God's shocker. He's God's king. And it is God who remembers his covenant and is faithful to it. So it is with us in Jesus. We run to God because he is the one who has committed himself to us. I'm all over the place. I can't even get the reading right for today. It should have been 31. Instead, it's 13. My goodness, what hope have you got? God is the one who is faithful. And when we, are, when we have these moments in life and they can occur at any time and in any way and about anything where we wonder, God, how long? Why is this going? We run to our Lord and we ask him because he is the one we are in relationship with. He is the one we turn to, not just in the good times, but also in the bad times. And they come. They are here. They will be here. That's life under the sun, this side of God's eternal kingdom. That's where we are. Another one of my experiences as a hospital chaplain is unfortunately when you meet Christians who are there, they sometimes wonder why the blessings and promises of eternity aren't happening for them here right now in this situation. It's a little bit, un it's a little bit staggering for me, to be honest, as a pastor to come across so many who are surprised that they might have cancer, surprised that they might have a serious illness. What is God doing? Why has he let this happen to me? Every now and then it seems so serious that they're almost seem to be about to lose their faith. I find that surprising because I meet other people who realise that uh, their God has done for them everything in the person of Jesus, who loved them, who gave himself for them and has always been with them and then he'll be with me even in this. And I wonder what those other people, why don't they have this perspective? What do they think that kingdom, the heaven experience, well, I'll receive a new, uh, a new heaven, a new earth, and a new body where there'll be no more crying or mourning or sickness or pain. Why do they think that's here right now? Well, I don't understand that. Why, well, who's teaching them? Probably people like me who can't get the readings right. But what is going on? Hard times come. Suffering creates a lot of tension in us. And I don't need to tell you that because I know you know that. But David cries, I want to see you. Enlighten my eyes. 
I want to see you. I want to know you. I want you to be with me through this. And his prayers are answered. Jesus said, you might remember in Matthew 7, ask and you will receive and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks the door will be open. It's true at the start of your journey with God that if you go looking for him and ask him to be with you, he will be. Seek him, you will find him. It's true in a great time to trouble and distress that when you ask and when you seek, you receive. When you know what God has done for you, when you have lived in the promises of who he is day by day, you're all over the place, sure. We ask for forgiveness or whatever, but he's committed himself to you and you know it, you find him. He answers. And so the third point is, my God has been good to me, verses 5 to 6. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation, verse 5. Well, the, the believer, the person who trusts in Jesus, we have a safe place. It's a haven in him. It means that when we fear fear, we can run to him. When we are in loneliness and despair, we run to our God and cry. And he is not slow in answering our prayers. He will be with us. He comforts us. He renews our spirit, our souls, our strength. We have a God who has reached out to us in our despair. We have a God, as we sang, who did not think it twice to send his own son to save us, and he was willing to pay it all to have you with him. And he will always be with us. He has committed himself to us. The covenant that God has made is made with us. And he has committed himself to you. And this situation, though we might feel consumed, brings comfort. This situation, though we feel some despair and loss, we feel his presence. We know it. We are reminded of how he can refresh us, and he does. He brings joy and comfort where there is sorrow, but we can have all these things together. I want to make that point, that you can still be in great sorrow, but no God. You can still be desperate, but feel his presence, to know his commitment to you. We can mourn, weep, cry, and still know the power of his transforming love. We mustn't be scared that to say I feel like I'm suffering and I wonder about what he's doing. That's not a problem of faith. What that is is just a call to prayer. 
and the person in prayer, you know, this is six verses long, this. This is very short. I think Nina said, oh, isn't that great? He's made a mistake and she can read a shorter one now. I don't blame you. The shorter, the better. This is short. And I assure you, the process wasn't that short. It's a summary. You've got to give yourself some time. When my first wife passed away, which you might know of, uh, that was a, just a dreadful, disgraceful time. There were so many times when you cry. There's so many times when you cry out. And all of these things are there, but they didn't take six verses. They didn't take two, min- two and a half minutes to read. It took its time. But even in the midst of crying, I knew that God was there and with me, that he wouldn't leave me. Why did I know that? I knew that because of the cross. You're meant to know that because of who God is. He's the one who's made that covenant with you. And he is sure. I'm all over the place. He is firm. He is committed to you. That even in the worst of times, he will be present. We can rejoice in his greatness. We sit securely in God's loving arms, not because I'm so wonderful, but because he is. Our despair, our suffering can come full circle. Verse 6, and I will sing the Lord's praise for he has done good to me. Let's pray. Now, gracious and heavenly Father, uh, it's a hard subject. It's pretty serious. Six verses seem like we're going to get away with it. Not much today, but there are a lot. There's a lot there. And, Lord, we must uh, realise that there are times, and we know that there are people who are special to us who are wondering these things. But we pray, Lord, you would continue to remind us of your love and goodness in the person of Jesus, how you have committed yourself to us, how you love us, how Jesus came to that we might know his love and know life and have it to the full. This side of glory, Lord, we realise that life is full of great trouble and strife at times. We pray, Lord, we wouldn't just... uh, Through those times, you would hold us. We ask, Lord, that uh, we're thankful that you will keep reminding us of the promises that you have for us in Jesus. That we will all, Jesus said, you will always be with us even to the end of the age. Lord, you will never leave us or forsake us. And Lord, in, in these things, we can feel all these. Terrible situations come upon us. We can feel all these emotions, these fears, but in the midst of that turmoil, you will never leave us. We thank you for David's model, or even for six verses, which is so small but so powerful. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.